welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Ethan, for being a guest on my podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, as far as introduction, mm-hmm. um, one thing I know about you is that um, you've just recently, I guess, like you've been a Christian for about a year now, Correct. right? And um, did you grow up in this area? No, uh, I'm not from the area. Uh, I'm from a really small town in Illinois, a small farming area. Um, a lot of churches in this town of less than 2,000 people. Uh, so going to church or youth group was was pretty common for most of the kids my age, but uh, my family was pretty a-religious. We didn't, we didn't do anything regularly. Uh, I'd say my most consistent experience with going to church was uh, like staying the night at a friend's house and going with his family on Sunday mornings, but it just, it just wasn't, faith wasn't a thing with my family. What was your family like? Uh, so I was raised by a single mom, uh, and I have a sister, technically a half sister. We have different dads, but, uh, I mean, she's, that's my sister, you know, she's mm-hmm. been in my life forever. So, uh, but yes, raised by a single mom. Um, so I would see my dad, you know, a couple times a year, but by the time I was 12, he just, you know, we just, I don't know. I'm not sure what happened. We just, uh, he, he had another family and, you know, kind of went that way and we had our thing going on. Um, but, uh, spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house, uh, which is, uh, now that I'm older, I can see, you know, uh, all of the, uh, the goodness that rubbed off onto me from my grandparents. They, they had a huge influence on me. Yeah. Okay. Were they, um, of religious? No, uh, my, my grandma, I, she was raised, uh, some form of of Pentecostal, I believe, and uh, but she didn't seem to keep the faith. Uh, and my my grandpa was, you know, uh, pretty pretty sternly against going to church. Uh, he would tell my mom when she was little, uh, you know, if you if you want to meet the devil, you go to church. <laughs> I'm not sure he he had some some chip on his shoulder about it all. I guess, uh, mm-hmm. though, I do believe that in my grandma's last year of life, I, I think she found her faith again. Um, I don't have any explicit proof of that, but, uh, definitely seemed to be the case. Uh, so is your grandma and grandpa, like what mainly shaped you and influenced you? I would say largely. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously my mom as well, but, uh, yeah. Uh, like my grandpa was definitely the driving factor in, making me shaping me into the young man that I would become. Uh, of course I didn't know that at the time, but, uh, I'd be working with him out in his, uh, his, his shop. He would scrap and take stuff apart and, you know, I'd be stripping wires with him and, you know, just kind of being his, his helper. I didn't realize that he was trying to instill a form of, of discipline in me, you know, some, a form of work. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he would come to my baseball games, uh, uh, as long as he could. And mm-hmm. yeah, so he, he was a big influence for sure. Um, were they your mom's parents? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They were, they were my mom's parents and they lived, um, not too far away from 
I mean, we, we moved around a little bit in the small town, but uh, they were never, never far. So I would go there after school many days or stay the night there all the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, did, is your grandpa still living? No. Okay. Uh, no, they, they've both passed. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's been several years now. Uh, I believe he died in 2018 or so. Um, yeah. It's, it's been a while. But uh, they definitely had a huge influence on, on who I am today. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really neat that you know grandparents can have an impact on uh oh yes a kid like that well and and now so i have i have a daughter uh she's almost two um and we have another one coming in october uh but i i can see now uh i know how important it is to have grandparents in your life uh and seeing the joy on like my wife's parents face on my mom's face when when my daughter's around and, and how much joy she gets being around them. It's, it's, it's a big thing. You know, I, I think grandparents are very, very important. Yeah. And was your sister involved with your grandparents quite a bit too? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we, we were, wherever I would go, she would go, if, you know, if I was, uh, at grandma and grandpa's, so was my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit older than her about hold on, six years. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, Eventually, I got old enough where I wasn't going over there as often. I had, you know, I'm hanging out with friends or whatever, and yeah, yeah. So she had, she's got her own memories and right. experiences with them, of course. And then your mom, she's still living over in Illinois. No, so uh, she actually moved here um, after, like, right as my daughter was was born. She was moving this way, uh, you know, and, and I I love having her here. Um, yeah, she, she had to follow where the grandbaby would be, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I love having them here. It's, it's such a blessing to have my family here as well as my wife's family. Um, she's, she's from the area. My wife is, uh, has been here her whole life. So it's, yeah. it's good to have both sides of the family united. And then where did you, then does Allison go by Allie more? Yeah, or? she goes by Allie. I, I tend to call her Allison and she's like, I don't know why you do that. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, she, she right. prefers Allie. Allie. Yeah. So um, where did you guys meet? So we, uh, we met at SIU Carbondale. Uh, it's where I went to school. She went to school. Um, I didn't graduate uh, in my second year. I didn't get a grant that I got the first year and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to be honest, I, I was still undecided changing my major. So I just I was like, all right, well, I, I don't want to just be gambling with money I don't have. So I dropped out. But she finished. She got a, a bachelor's uh, in um, animal nutrition. It's an agricultural degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it, it's funny how life works. We, you know, we, we were young and not knowing what we were doing. But uh, that, that's where we met. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting major. She chose animal nutrition. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, does she plan on using that in any particular way, or what would you do with that? So, um, uh, I, you know, I, I think originally it was probably, like Purina would be an example. Okay. She could work at Purina. Um, right. You know, de- developing pet foods or, or, you know. And she it definitely came in handy because she worked at a like pet food center. Uh, we lived in Tennessee briefly, um, mm-hmm. after she graduated and, um, yeah, she was able to utilize her degree in that form. Um, 
and then some some retail stuff. It it it's one of those degrees that definitely the the connections you you make matter and um she made connections but uh it's it's definitely useful if your family has a farm or something like that or you have connections in yeah. the food industry um she very well could still uh i think get a job at purina if she wanted to but um i think she she seems pretty happy being a stay-at-home mom right now yeah, so that's, I don't know if she has any desire now to pursue anything with the degree. Right. And then what brought you to um, this area, this kind of greater St. Louis area? So this is where she was born and raised in okay. South County. Um, I see. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we went to Tennessee. My mom and sister had moved there. Uh, there was um, some some family trauma at, and they needed to get they needed to to go is, is seemed seems to be the case. Um and after my wife graduated, this was kind of a, a big moment for us, actually, my, my wife and I. Uh, I was I was determined to go be with my mom and sister, you know, li- living away from them, going, you know, going to school and then just living in Carbondale for, for a few years. I, I definitely felt called to go be with my family. And, you know, so I, I told Allie that this is what I'm going to do. Um, I was looking at apartments for myself. Um, I, I didn't expect her to uh, drop her whole life to come with me to Tennessee, but uh, uh, thank God she chose to. She she wanted to come with me, and um, that was a that was a big moment for us. So she followed me to Tennessee, and we 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 were living there uh, for a while, and uh, eventually my mom had moved back, decided that she was going to move back to Illinois, um, and about this time I was in talking to um my my now in-laws uh about proposing and you know they they offered to let us stay with them so it just it kind of worked out to where my mom had moved back to Illinois and we moved in with my in-laws and uh so it's it's been nice we we've kind of you know Alice and I had sort of our own space and then we were you know living around my mom and sister and now we're we move up to be with her family, and now we're all united here in the greater St. Louis area. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty neat. <laughs> so um, before, um, you know, you got involved in Christianity, mm-hmm. um, so what was your impressions of it kind of from an outsider point of view? Yeah, so... Um, Oh goodness, it's 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 like a double life, you know, the, where I was before Christ uh, and now, and I guess early on I, I had an animosity towards Christianity and and Christians in general for sure. Um, it was definitely a when I was younger and I was leaning more towards you know progressivism or, or whatever, uh, very liberal and just young i i was like okay so the christians are holding us back they're stopping progress or whatever the view was um that definitely mellowed out as i got older um i just thought that christians were misguided i i definitely i definitely was was uh seeking something uh in everywhere but christ uh 
And I figured that anyone who had landed on Christianity either was just born into it and never questioned it, or uh, it gave them an answer, just just an answer. So, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of my view. I, I was like, I guess if you need something to believe in, Christianity's out there. You know, of course, I had this view of, you know, why would you go with like just the most mainstream religion is it was is the view I had, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's inter- interesting. Um, and and then you said you were seeking something like um, what was that or was it almost too vague to really kind of describe or what were you seeking, do you think? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'll say that uh, in my late teens, I was very, I was a materialist. I, I didn't believe in any supernatural anything transcendent uh and i would say what opened me up to that was experimenting with psychedelics i'm not endorsing that or recommending that i actually now can i view it as a gateway to the spiritual realm but not not the uh not the holy places it's i think satan uses it to mix some truth with lies uh but that's just my own personal belief i've come to but i'll say they opened me up to something transcendent. And um, so in my early 20s, I had developed a, a belief in the supernatural and this, uh, you know, concept of God that changed, you know, over time to being like, we're, we're all just parts of God or God permeates all things or, or some form of like animism, like God is in all things. Uh, it was, it was a very vague sense of God, you know, um, and it, it became a little more refined over time as I as I read more things. But uh, at this point, I was I was big into like listening to lectures from Alan Watts or uh, talks from Terrence McKenna. These like you know Westernized Eastern mystics, uh, and they they I definitely adopted some of their views, and they they kind of kind of you know meshed with. Uh, my own psychedelic experiences that I was having. Um, and I would say that there was a comfort there at times, but it was never, it was, it wasn't a firm foundation. I'll say that it was not, it was never something that I could go back to sober just of my, you know, I, I, it wasn't a connection to God. It was like a knowing that there's something there and, I need drugs to experience it is kind of what that was. Uh, Yeah, it definitely wasn't a a firm foundation. You know, when people mention psychedelics, um, they kind of describe it kind of like you do, like it kind of opens a person up to the reality of like the transcendent or the spiritual or something like that. But how... um, how do you know it's real if you're on psychedelics? Um, because it is to the person, it certainly seems like this is really real, mm-hmm. that it's not just my mind telling me this, but it's opening me up to something that I, I can't get to otherwise. But how do you know it's real? Um, it, that's a little confusing to oh, me. Oh, you know? sure. And it, 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 it's confusing for me as well. Uh, mm-hmm course there's the the physical side of this drug is you know uh, making synapses fire in such a way that 
you know, your, your serotonin's being released and so you're getting the, these euphoric feelings. And it, of course there's like the physical side. Um, I, I can't qualify it, but all I can tell you is anecdotally, my experiences is sometimes it would feel more real than real. Um, like, uh, for example, uh, like with DMT, it's very powerful and it, all at once. It happens in a short amount of time and everything really genuinely seems to slow down into a singular vibration and it kind of sucks you into it. Um, and it's terrifying. I'll say that <laughs> it, it's a very powerful experience that at least for me, I couldn't help but believe that this is, you know, there's, there's a source here that I'm being pulled to was, was the sensation I had. Um, and it's, it is very powerful and, and, you know, uh, I guess I want to say awesome in, in, in the literal sense. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, I really think, I, I really think that there is an aspect to it that is spiritual transcendent. Um, but I, I think that, I think it's demonic. I do. I think that there is, you get truths. But if you talk to anyone who they were tripping on the same psychedelic drugs, you'll get, you know, you ask five people, you get five different answers. Someone will come out and say, you know, there is no God. It was their big epiphany. Someone will come out and they'll say, I'm God. That's their big epiphany. You know, so it's there's a subjective element to it. Um, And I think it reflects your psyche prior to going into it as well. I do think that that has something to do with it. But I, I think Satan uses these drugs as a way to give you these sort of transcendental experiential truths, but he taints it. It's never, you, you don't take psychedelics and come out and, and boom, you have faith in Jesus Christ and God in the flesh. It's, it's everything but that, you know, it, Satan's fine with you believing in God as long as you're God or he's fine with you not believing in God. Um, so that, that's, that's been my personal take on them is I, I think that there is a powerful transcendental element to them, but they, uh, you know, they're, they're not, they're not holy. Yeah. So it's, yeah, there's a difference, I guess, in just, um, having an expanded view of what's real, like that there is a spiritual realm or something like that, than like knowing the ultimate being God and trusting him and mm-hmm. having a love relationship with him and so forth yeah it's uh that relationship isn't there there's that there was no mm-hmm. prior to being saved there was no relationship uh i didn't god was capital g god for me at this point prior to being saved and that was the closest i could get uh to that feeling or experience um which is, you know, ultimately what I was basing my beliefs on. It was, you know, I needed strong experiences to be convinced, uh, which is why I actually, I think that my own personal uh, moment of salvation, moment of conversion, it was a very powerful, singular experience for me. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. Uh, God definitely knows that he needed to, uh, you know, flick me in the head pretty hard to uh, to wake me up because... Uh, that's that's what I was relying on was just my was personal subjective experience. That is how I was defining God. So um, you seem like really um, 
well-read as far as like philosophical things and so forth. So I, I guess, um, so that seems, is that the truth? Like you've oh. read different viewpoints and oh, I, spiritual philosophical You know, as much as I want to say so, uh, definitely not. I, I, I meet people all the time that are way, way more well-read than I am. And, uh, it's, you know, I, I have an interest, you know, but it's definitely a casual interest. It's always been a strong interest, but uh, there's just so much out there. Um, I'd say a lot of a lot of that stuff has been, uh, you know, I do like to read. I love reading, um, but also with the internet, uh, it's easy to go down rabbit holes and not even read like a singular book or source. Right. It's easy to read about things mm-hmm. uh, and get a lot of information very quickly, and that's that's ten- what I tend to gravitate towards, but. Uh, I do love to read, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in, before you were a Christian, what was your relationship with guilt? Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, was that something you ha- had to deal with, or was it something kind of easy just to minimize, or I don't know, what, what are your... That's a really your... good question. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Of course, I had guilt. You would have, you know, that guilty conscience is is always there, I think, for everyone. But it's a whole lot easier to just, like, push it down and suppress it and, um, you know, move on with your life and just uh, try to forget about it, put it on the back burner, whatever. Uh, it always catches up to you. It always comes back. Um, I definitely was missing that. I was lacking that connection between a guilty conscience and god of course uh <laughs> definitely and and i would say that on psychedelics i had a few experiences where those things would surface up and be like blatantly obvious in my face and maybe i could face them for a while temporarily uh but it was, it was always always a fleeting type of type of thing but um yeah i i definitely wasn't getting that connection and that's something that's been really profound to me is uh the concept of of sin and how, at least for me, when I wasn't saved yet, when I hadn't yet been convicted of my own sins, it, looking back to, to before being convicted of my own sins, it's now I'm able to see how I was pointing out everyone else's sins, right? And I think that that's what we do before coming to Christ. I think that that's, that's the world's problem. We have a sin problem. Uh, and until you you are convicted of sin you're you're pointing out everyone else's problems you're you're saying like it's women it's men it's white people it's black people it's jews it's anti-semites it's uh billionaires it's poor minorities it's always pointing pointing the finger at another group but you're just you're pointing at symptoms you know you're you're addressing symptoms of a fallen world um and and if you at least for me when i didn't the the weight of sin it, it it you know sin didn't carry any weight for me it didn't mean anything it was just christianese to me at this point it was like okay sin bad whatever it's just a bad thing but uh i didn't associate it with my own guilt and things that i had done or things i do all the time it just wasn't there yeah uh so in my moment of conversion when i was convicted for the first time that was heavy. That was a very powerful, it wasn't a psychedelic experience, but it was, I mean, it was supernatural. I was 
the Holy Spirit broke me down to nothing in in a moment. Showed me the dust that I am. Showed me the, the how how gross and selfish and just nasty I am as as a person. And not not like just specific things I've done in the past, but that I do all the time. You know. <laughs> And that was the first time I'd ever experienced that. Prior to this, it was uh, you point the finger at everyone or you take that, that non-dualist Eastern approach of, uh, you know, there is there is no good or bad. It's all just my mindset, right? Or, or, or maybe the stoic approach of I can, it's not what's happening around me or what it's, it's my own perception of what's happening. And I can, I can control that. It's up to me to... Uh, be mindful or or have some sort of inner strength to to overcome these man that's i don't know maybe someone's strong enough to uh, do that their whole life but i i found that i wasn't um yeah it's it's exhausting trying to be strong and of your own accord and and yeah and to uh to not let the 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 fallenness the wickedness around you or the wickedness that you do to not let it affect you i mean that's that's hard to do so yeah you're left to point the finger or uh pretend like there's nothing wrong i hope that made sense i I know it kind of rambled there but (laughs) yeah but there there's some kind of ideal that you seem to be uh, shooting for it seems like just listening to you like there is some kind of um, like righteousness that is, you know, mm-hmm. that you know you want to obtain and you're just going at it in whatever <clears throat> way. Is that, is that right? I think that's very accurate, yes. Um, yeah, with, uh, and, and I mean, you're either left trying to be righteous on your own, which of course we know from scripture is just not possible. I'll also say from a lived experience and looking back is impossible. Uh, you, you can't do it. You know, if, if we could be righteous, if we could be holy, if, if we could be good, why don't we? Why, why, why are we so incapable? What, why are we every single day? I mean, I, I mess up within the first hour of waking up every day. I, I I wake up, I pray, and then inevitably somewhere in the first hour, it, whether it's a thought or an action or my tone, like something is unrighteous. You know, there's, I, I can't escape it. I can't, you know, I can try to overlook it or, you know, uh, minim, you know minimalize the, the impact that it has. But I mean, then I'm just justifying sin. You know, I'm just, I'm just rationalizing sinful behavior. But if you don't have that concept of sin, if you, if if the weight of sin hasn't been placed on on your heart, uh, it's it's real easy to just act like it's not there and that you're better than everyone else or that you know someone else is the problem. It's not you. Um, yeah, there's there's a striving towards righteousness that I think I really think that is it's inherent in us, but it's we can't attain it. We can't get it ourselves. That comes from God. That's a, you know, that's, that's through Christ only. Um, if you try to have righteousness purely of your own strength or will, um, I mean, it's self-righteousness. You, you become self-righteous. Everyone can point at you as this, this hypocrite, you know, you think you're, 
you're all high and mighty. You think you, you know, are, are a good person and you're not. And it, it, you can, it's not hard to look at anyone and find their flaws. So mm-hmm. any, anyone can look at you and, and see that you're a phony. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so you, you came to the point of just feeling guilt. Um, you know, you spoke about how, you know, many people are pointing at other people and that does seem to be common in the world. Like, especially our culture, you know, we're just really divided and we're just pointing at different people and whose fault they are. And that doesn't seem to be helpful for the other person, you know, recognizing, oh, I'm, I have guilt that I need to do something with. Well, what is helpful? Like, or is it, you know, what did God use or was it just just his um, spirit bringing that to you without, you know, using anything? Or how was that for you? Um, so I'll say that I have been all over the board, you know, prior uh, to being saved. So it, when I was, when the Holy Spirit was regenerating me in that moment was, you know, and I didn't understand what had happened, by the way. This is in my moment of conversion, I didn't have the language. I didn't have the, the scripture to, you know, I, it was, it was an ex, a strong experiential moment for me um, that a few days later I heard the gospel and, you know, things, the pieces started fitting together. Um, but uh, in, in that moment where I was being convicted of sins, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely I was, I was taken back to my whole life up to that moment of uh, pointing the finger at different groups. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had been all over the place. I, I blamed Christians once upon a time. I was, it was Christians fault. It was, it was feminists. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was minorities. It was uh, rich billionaires. It was, it was everyone but me, right? <laughs> it was the, the whole world, uh, was was broken. It wasn't it wasn't hard to see that the world is wicked and fallen, but when you don't have that biblical lens to see it that way, you're left to think that you know every, everyone's broken but you. Or maybe maybe you have the perspective of we're all broken, so it doesn't matter. You know, you can go sort of the the nihilist route that way. You know, nothing matters. It's all random chaos, and it's all broken and uh, obviously that's not helpful for anyone, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll say though that I now have this, a huge empathy for people when, when I, when I see that, or I hear that people mad at other people, sinners mad at other sinners for being sinners. Uh, you know, I, instead of now being mad at them or pointing the finger at them, like I have this, like, Oh, I just I just want to help them. I want to, you know, uh, I want to give them the good person test. <laughs> uh, I want to I want to show them that, hey, yes, they they are, these people are bad, and so are you, and so am I, and you know, we we have a problem that needs to be addressed, and we can't address it on our own. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. So you had the experience of God's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And um, did you and not really know the gospel at that point? Mm-hmm. So, man, that's kind of similar to me. Like, um, I, I'm 
I was I grew up in Christianity, so I probably had heard the gospel, but it seemed like at that point all I knew was that I was a sinner and just calling out to God to save me from what I had become, and then just feeling like that go a load of guilt lifted from me and just feeling um, clean and forgiven and you know and then that then the Bible started to open up to me like to make sense and I started to understand and you know read but so that's just I don't know that's just kind of interesting um, because um, sometimes you know I I think it's the the gospel message that um, and I'm sure that God uses that the gospel message to bring about like conviction of sin mm-hmm. and to turn someone to God to call out for salvation but um, sometimes I've I've thought like that has to be there but it maybe sometimes it's just well, God, you know, God's not restricted to working any one way, but sure. just, um, but for a lot of people, it seems like just understanding that guilt, I mean, and, you know, that's kind of the way into Christianity and so forth. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, that, that doesn't absolve us from sharing the gospel like that. That yeah. is a, a calling. And, and I'll say that, I mean, I don't think my own personal, personal belief is that it couldn't have happened any other way than it did. Um, uh, it's, it, it was all exactly according to God's will. Um, but hypothetically, had I not heard the gospel in, at any time after this moment, who knows? Maybe it would have been just a, a weird fleeting moment I had that, you know, I, I think that there's power in the gospel message and it needs to be proclaimed and people do need to hear it. Uh, and whether the, the hearing the message later con- convicts them uh, or, or whether... The Holy Spirit's working on them, and then they hear the gospel. You know that I, I, I think that that's you know that's just God uses any means uh, to bring about salvation for people and um, to bring about that conviction. And it, it it was interesting though to have that experience, but not have the words to explain what had happened. Or you know, it was I kept it all locked up. You know, <laughs> it was just a personal thing, and I. Kind of like what you were saying, I, I, I all of a sudden, Scripture spoke to me. All of a sudden, I want to read. All of a sudden, I, I want to know Jesus. I want to, you know, uh, goodness. When I was when I was being convicted and broken down to nothing, uh, I want to say I called out to Jesus to save me. But that wasn't a thing I did consciously. That wasn't like my brain was like, oh, I need to call out to Jesus. It just happened. There's something within my soul needed that to stop. It needed this, this, you know, taste of hell that I was experiencing that I brought about on myself. It, it, it was all my own. It was my own sins that put me there in this moment. And, uh, you know, it, it's like a mirror was being held to me and I couldn't look at it. You know, I needed it to be taken away and um, something called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it wasn't a conscious thing that happened. So that was that was bizarre. But I knew once it stopped and there was this flood of peace and, you know, just reassuring and comfort, once I, I knew... Once that happened, I knew that it was because of Jesus. 
I didn't know how. I didn't know why. I didn't know the gospel yet. Um, I don't know why I called upon his name. Uh, I really expected nothing to happen going into this whole situation, this whole prayer. Uh, but right then and there, I, I, I had I had to commit my life to him. I had to. I, it was just so such an overwhelming experience. I couldn't deny it. Uh, so I, I made a commitment to Christ before even understanding what, you know, it's like I signed the contract before reading it, but, uh, uh, have you read the Bible before then? You know, it was, I was doing, um, like I said, I was very much seeking prior to this. So I was looking at all sorts of things. I had, uh, apps on my phone that would give me quotes. So I had one that was uh, uh, Parahansa Yogananda quotes or quotes from uh, Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i faith. Uh, I had quotes attributed to the Buddha. I had as well as a random verse a day. And I would get them staggered throughout the day, different different quotes. And, you know, they made me feel nice. I, you know, it was good to read about God's loving kindness from this, from this yogi. You know, it was nice to... To, there were there were similarities in language there, um, and and so my exposure to scripture was it was random verses. You know, there wasn't really a context, and you know, honestly, sometimes a verse would pop up. And I'm like, yeah, this is isn't relevant to me. I don't know what it's talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was about as as far into scripture as, as I had gotten to at this point. Um, yeah, uh, I I was reading, I, I read Mere Christianity probably about a year before getting saved. Oh, and wow. and I, it's so funny because uh, uh, our pastor asked me what compelled me to read that. And I, I still don't know. I don't know what... I bought a box, a C.S. Lewis box set. Uh, okay. I read the Chronicles of Narnia as a kid. Didn't... Uh, you know, I missed... The, the, the Christian themes went over my head, of course. Um, I don't... I really don't know what compelled me. All I could say is that it was, you know, I was seeking seeking something um so i read mere christianity like a year prior uh so i got i had read you know the trilemma that's in there of jesus is either you know uh, he's either a a lunatic a demon or he's god in the flesh uh and you know it shows that there's no partiality but you know i i just wasn't convinced i wasn't you know i read that i was like that's interesting the whole book is interesting um gave me a, a perspective you know definitely soothed some of the animosity I had, I suppose. But, uh, and then the months leading up to my moment of conversion, uh, I was reading a book by this Vietnamese monk, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, and, uh, it was living Buddha, living Christ. Hmm. So this book, uh, is very much attempting to show the similarities of the gospel and, and Jesus and Buddha and, and, uh, the Dhammapada and, uh, I, I, but what it used as references to the similarities were the Gnostic texts. So the gospel of Thomas, okay. um, you know, and, and so I, I read that book. Then I read the gospel of Thomas, which read like the Tao Te Ching. Uh, it, it was basically the Tao Te Ching with Jesus. It's, a, it's, you know, definitely now that I've been exposed to scripture and have the spirit with me. I, it's not inspired. That is not inspired work. That's like fan fiction, the gospel of Thomas. But, uh, yeah, so I, I had read, uh, read that and leading up to this moment of conversion, I, I, I was definitely, I was in a, 
in a state here where I needed to make a decision, even though I didn't see it like that. Um, like I was, I talked to my, my friend who entertains these discussions with me and, uh, he at that point was not a Christian, not sure where he's at now. Um, but, uh, my conversation with him was like, Hey man, I, I'm kind of losing my mind here. So, you know, this book is saying that Jesus and Buddhism are compatible. You know, Jesus was, you know, was a Buddha, so to speak. He, he, you know, there's no disagreement there. Any disagreement is coming from the ignorance of Christians or something, uh, or, or taking scripture at face value and not seeing these deeper hidden truths or whatever. Um, but according to mere Christianity and Christianity as a whole, there's the truth claim being made. There's, you know, you don't get to have it both ways. It, there's no partiality. Either Jesus Christ, like there, the claim is Jesus Christ is the creator of all things, God in the flesh. Like that is an exclusive claim of Christianity that no one else has. Like, you know, I understood that Islam had a high regard for Jesus as a prophet. They're happy to include Jesus, uh, but you can't say he's God in the flesh. That's that's the problem. That's that's where the buck stops. You know, that's where everyone else, all other belief systems, you know, that's where they shun Christianity. There's so it, it, it's a big claim, and it it needs it needs to be verified on a personal level. Uh, and yeah, so. Uh, I, I did, I want to say that I went into a prayer seeking this truth. I was certain it wasn't true. I was certain that I would go into this prayer and, and th- this reaching out and that nothing would happen. I was certain of it. That's not what, that's not what God had in store for me. He, he chose to use that moment to break me down to nothing and, so you were praying. You had a practice of praying before then, before your conversion. Uh, yeah, this was probably my first real prayer, you know. Uh, and, but, it, and this is over a period of time, right? This, yes, okay. yes. Um, yeah, so this, uh, th- there was this, this, I went into a prayer when I was convicted of sin and, and, I just, I was, I, I figured it, I would do my due diligence to reach out to ask, mm-hmm. okay, are you who they say you are? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of running around in circles. I'm tired of, you know, it's, it's all this head knowledge and it's conflicting and there's, you know, but, but I'm just always left with more questions and answers and, and I've been around, you know, around the block, so to speak. And, uh, it all seems to be the same thing, you know, you just try hard to be a good person or what, whatnot. But, uh, I just, I need to know, I need to know what the truth is. I need to know. I just, I genuinely, I went into it with good intentions. I really didn't I thought nothing was going to happen. I would have my answer that Jesus was a way was part of this grand ultimate truth but he wasn't the way. I was certain there was no the, the, because it's just too big of a claim. Is that why? It's a huge claim. <laughs> it's the it's the biggest claim. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Everyone is happy to incorporate Jesus until you get to this claim, right? Uh, and I was certain. I was certain that there there's no way that God came down in the flesh physically, and it 
is exactly how Scripture says it is. I, I, I was just con- convinced it couldn't be that way. You know, the, the Bible is inspired just as much as the Quran is inspired, just as much as the Dhammapada or the Tao Te Ching, or just as much as these other sacred texts are inspired. I thought it was one piece of this grand puzzle. I didn't realize that it that, that's that's the source right there. That is that is the the real deal that Christ is God in the flesh and uh yeah, it was I was wow. certain it couldn't have been that way. So did um you know before your conversion what oh but by the way um but you knew the claims more through you're out, reading outside of the Bible than the yes. Bible, so like mere Christianity. So you knew what the claims of Christianity were. Yes. You know, okay. Uh, and and then and same thing with uh, hearing the gospel. I, I'm certain that in some form I've heard yeah. the gospel, maybe at VBS or something when I was a kid. You know, going uh, for a week, hanging out with friends. I'm sure that it had been presented and just you know in one ear out the other over mm-hmm. my head. Um, just, right. Yeah. So. Before conversion, what were your thoughts about the cross? Um, you know, that's kind of like, it seems like that's obvious, the center of Christianity. Mm-hmm. When you walk into a church many times, you just see the cross right up in the forefront. So, you know, what were your thoughts about what it was all about and so forth? So, uh, I mean, mere Christianity made a, you know, open, opened my eyes a little bit to some of these things. But I would say prior to reading that, it was... Uh, I viewed the cross as weird, bizarre, uh, almost oppressive. You know, you would if you go into a church, there's just this big cross, and it's supposed to remind you of death. You know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. I, I I thought it was bizarre. I thought it was confused. Uh, of course, I was the one that was confused, but uh, I, I definitely saw it as this big oppressive. You know, like uh, memento mori, remember death kind of thing, and. Uh, I just I didn't see the the life giving power of it. I didn't see the 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 positive side, the the ne- the necessity for it. I I really thought it was this like doom and gloom. You know, uh, we're all going to come here and be you know, solemnly you know bow our heads and you know I I don't know. I just it was lost on me. Did you connect it to atonement at all? I, I would say after I read Mere Christianity, I, okay. I saw that. Right. Uh, I, I could I could see that it was in, in a, like a head knowledge way, it, but it still was it was lacking in any significance or meaning for me. Because I I was talking with someone who visited our church, and um, the problem they had with the church is they thought whoever was speaking, the pastor or whoever at the time, um, was um, just like hammering um, on the congregation as if in a judgmental way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to get that, um, was trying to understand what he was talking about. And he, he would point out to people, you know, we were just on the side talking. He'd say, look at all these people. They're fine people. Look at them. They're all, they're really good. You know? And I'm, but I never take it as like raining down judgment from the pulpit or something like that. Right. Yeah. But from his perspective, I can kind of um, see maybe where he's coming from in that there is like a big emphasis on sin Mm -hmm. because there's a big emphasis. Christianity has a big emphasis on sin and then a big emphasis on like the sufficiency of God's grace and how we are free 
from it, but it doesn't minimize, minimize sin. Mm-hmm. So all of our songs and the, the scripture reading and the words, yeah, there's a lot of talk about sin. So I, I can kind of see where he's coming from um, or how he might get, get that viewpoint, but, um, you know, but with, if he's not getting the viewpoint of um, grace and that we're free from sin and I don't know, but <laughs> it's like he's he's getting one side right. of the coin. He's not he's not seeing the flip side of it. The uh, the uh, the redemption aspect is right. that right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Which <laughs> was lost on me as well. Um, yeah, I I had heard of I I had heard of sin, of course, uh, but then yeah, the cross kind of I guess was similar for, to me as well. It was uh, it represented. The the like, the atonement aspect, I guess, was a head knowledge thing, but it sin was it wasn't that big of a deal. So yeah, I mean, if, if you're being hounded about sin, but so we all you know we all sin. I mean, that's the right. point, of course. But that's that's the view I had is uh, you know I, I just what's the big deal? You know, uh, it it definitely did seem to me that it would be a lot of finger pointing, you know, from, from the pulpit. It was kind of right. what I thought church was. Uh, it was either right. that or, you know, hey, it's social time to, you know, we're going to tell you about these fundraisers we're doing, you know, and all this community outreach and, you know, just do good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're, they're obviously there's a middle ground there <laughs> that, that is, is necessary. Uh, I mean, you should do good, and we do need to hear that we're sinners, Um yeah, it was it was just all lost on me for the longest time, my my whole life, pretty much. Uh, right. So there was that experience with God, mm-hmm. and then what happened next after that? Um. So yeah, a- after after calling upon Jesus to save me, uh, and and having that peace. I mean, no, it was probably like eleven thirty at night. Everyone was in bed. I was still living with my in laws. Um, and you know, I, just a side note here: I got married. I, I had a young daughter born. Just I, I got saved in February. She was born in August. Um, I I did the things by the book. I got married, had the kids. I was doing these these big. You know, we were in the middle of purchasing our condo. We were you know, I had these big life changes, and um, and yet I still had this this hole, this God-shaped hole. I, I was still not fulfilled. I was still empty, and I didn't understand why. Um, and that went away immediately after I come out of this prayer and this this peace. Is something, there, there was something filling me. There was something uh, giving me life and purpose. And, I, you know, it sounds weird to say that, you know, being a husband and a father wasn't purposeful enough. I, you know, there's something weird to me about saying that, but I wasn't fulfilled in those things. And, and, you know, going by the book, do, you know, meeting the expectations that I thought I was supposed to meet, you know, as, as, as a young man, you know, starting a family, uh, it was, it was like, it was like a shell. It was just a, you know, there, there, there wasn't, there wasn't a foundation. There wasn't, you know, anything filling this and 
that was there right after coming out of this prayer. Um, and so I it's like, well, that was weird. You know, I don't know what all that was. You know, I've, I've had tears down my face. Uh, no one's awake. I'm just alone in the house. No, I, there's no, no, nothing trippy or visual. You know, nothing's changed outwardly. Yeah. Uh, but I don't feel the same, you know? And, and it's, a, it's a, not just a calm, but a contentment that, that I'm experiencing. Well, I guess I'll go to bed. <laughs> um, but then I woke up the next morning still feeling content, still feeling satisfied, uh, and thinking about what happened. And again, being like, oh, that was just so weird, you know? Uh, did I really just dedicate my life to Jesus? What does that mean? Um, and so the, the, the app I was using for random verses, it also had a, a little Bible uh, app, you know, as part of it. Um, and so I, I, don't, I don't even remember what my verse of the day was, but, you know, I, I opened, I clicked on the link to, like, read it in context, and I was like, okay, uh, you know, it's, I'm interested. I actually do want to know more. I have no idea where to start. Um, so when I had some free time the following day, uh, the only th- thing I knew was to look up Billy Graham. I was like, I don't know what to, I don't know where to start, you know, but I know the name Billy Graham, you know, <laughs> never listened to him, but I know the name. So I went to YouTube, and I... I uh, looked up Billy Graham sermons, and I just started <laughs> listening to Billy Graham sermons. Um, now, I'm going to actually go back in time here just for a moment. The week leading up to my conversion, I was, you know, I was kind of, I was going back and forth. I was in this like, you know, there, there's a truth claim being made here. I, it, I, it was just eating at me, you know. Uh, and I had Googled, or I went to YouTube and I had looked up. Uh, like a Christian versus Buddhist debate is what I was looking for. I just, I wanted to see two sides present their cases to give mm-hmm. me a, you know, um, and I, you know, it was kind of a clickbaity title, but I, I actually saw uh, a Ray Comfort video of him sharing the gospel hmm. with uh, a, a Buddhist student on some campus. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, this isn't a debate, you know, like the, the title, this is misleading. The title was a little misleading. And, uh, uh, you can tell this this student here has he just really he's being polite and he just wants this you know New Zealand guy to go away. Uh, so I had heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't listening. It wasn't mm-hmm. you know that's not what I was you know that's I wasn't ready for it. Uh, you know so I, I really dismissed this video. I just like oh, okay the waste of time. Funny enough though, uh, two days after my conversion, now it's in the algorithm that I watched a Ray Comfort video Mm -hmm. and I'm now watching Billy Graham sermons. And, uh, I I was also hearing things that, you know, it was like compilations. It would be a theme about God's love. And you're hearing, uh, I'm hearing like Joyce Meyer, you know, uh, and, and other big names. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, then I get a video in my feed and I don't remember what the title was. I've seen so many of these now. I just I can't even remember. But I clicked on it. Oh, wow. It's the same New Zealand guy, <laughs> the same guy with the accent, uh, talking to someone on the street. And he does the good person test. Hmm. And he's talking to me as I'm watching this video. And he, I'm answering the questions in my head as he's, as he's going through uh, this good person test. And um, wow like that was the first he shares the gospel um and it was powerful that all of a sudden like everything that happened two nights before is just like 
It's just coming together. It's falling into place. You know, I, I, I'm seeing it from a biblical perspective, from a, a, a view of, you know, uh, my, my sin leading to death and how I, you know, you need to be born again. And, and that, you know, that's where it hit me that that's what happened. <laughs> okay, that's what happened. The, the, the Spirit showed me that I'm a criminal, showed me my crimes, uh, and, and, you know, basically was, was pointing to, like, the electric chair or something, showing me, like, hey, this is, this is what, this is, this is your punishment. Um, and, and Jesus took that away from me. And, uh, yeah, that, it, that, was, that was the moment, you know, this... I couldn't even tell you which one it was. He's got so many videos, but that, that this Ray Comfort video of sharing the gospel was was the first time that I really heard it, and and so retroactively was seeing the pieces fit together. Um, and then uh, from there, checking out sermons on YouTube, and I just I I couldn't stop listening to Ray Comfort videos and just really getting to hear this work. And it's also just fascinating watching. Uh, the gospel being shared, like just from like a, like a sociological perspective, it's just fascinating to see how people respond, Mm -hmm. you know, to it. Um, so I was watching a lot of that and started getting, um, other sermons, other people popping up. Uh, and I don't, I'm guessing it was related to this channel uploading Ray comfort videos, but it's, uh, now all of a sudden I'm watching Vody Bauckham, John Piper, John Mm -hmm. MacArthur, Mm -hmm. uh, which prompts me to, see other related videos. And now all of a sudden I'm watching RC Sproul lectures <laughs> you know, it's all, it's, and it's all happened fairly quickly, yeah. you know? Uh, and you know, thank God it did because, uh, you know, it definitely took me from a, a knowledge, uh, you know, baseline of zero, right. I have no scriptural basis at all. And, and allowing me to have this foundation built, um, and, and understanding what Jesus has done for me and and what our natural state is as sinners and um yeah and then then from there i i felt compelled to join a church yeah and how did you choose rockport yeah so uh oh goodness um i had i had caught on that all these guys i was listening to that i'm you know they're just opening up these doorways in my mind and 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 you know they have a commitment to scripture, uh, and a passion for it. And, uh, you know, piece together like, okay, so there was Stone as reformed. Uh, and so I had to do some little, some Googling there and, you know, re- reading about what all that is and, uh, and learning about Tulip through Sproul's lectures. I, it's, it just made sense to me. It clicked, um, for me. And, uh, so I, I, that's kind of, I guess, the goal I had in mind was to find a church that affirmed that, but that wasn't how my search began. I was literally just checking out the churches in the most immediate sense uh, of where we were living uh, and kind of doing like a little spiral out thing. I was just going onto Google Maps and, you know, there'd be some where I'm like, yeah, definitely not this church, you know, <laughs> but I, my, my... Did you visit them? No, I. Okay. so I did... Uh, Thankfully, pretty much everyone uploads their sermons online. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm a total introvert. And I, I'm, I love talking to people, but I'm slow to warm up to people, and and I'm not someone that's just going to show up to a church. Uh, mm-hmm. So I gave everyone two chances. I would listen to the two most recent sermons, um, 
And honestly, at the beginning, I was skipping the praise and I just wanted it, the sermon, you know, so I'm skipping through going to the, to the sermon. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's what I'll do. I'll give everyone a fair chance. And maybe I was looking back, maybe I was judging a little too hard because I was comparing them to these big guys, these big names. Uh, mm-hmm. And they just felt lackluster or, in my opinion, they it would be uh, not so much. Some of the churches weren't focusing on um, just scripture, reading it, explaining it, putting it into a context, like a historical context, and making it applicable. But uh, instead, many churches were doing this, uh, like we have a theme for the week, you know, and we're pulling from different verses to support this theme. Or some of the churches were very focused on community outreach first and foremost. Like it would be 15, 20 minutes of actual preaching and the rest of the time, you know, rest of the time in the pulpit is spent discussing things that we're doing or things that we've done or how much money we raised for this. And, and again, not that those are bad things. That's just, you know, I needed to be fed. I didn't look at it like that at the time, but I was, I was a hungry sheep. I needed to be fed, you know? Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm sure that there were many fine churches that I looked over, you know, uh, but I got to a point after I, I want to say I got to about a dozen, maybe 10 or so. Uh, and I was like, okay, this is going to take forever. There's a lot of churches in St. Louis. Okay. I, <laughs> and if I have to make a drive, I will, but I just Googled reformed churches, St. Louis Rockport popped up. I saw that it's an Arnold. I was like, okay, that's a 15 minute drive for me. Uh, so I checked out two sermons. The first one was actually uh, uh, Pastor Kyle, and so I okay. thought he was he was the guy. But then I went, you know, I was on the website and I was reading a little bit about it um, and saw like, okay, so then there's also Pastor Scott. The next sermon was Scott, and I enjoyed both of those a lot. And uh, so I watched another one and another one. I was going back, went back six weeks, um, and. <laughs> if I had to pinpoint what it was exactly besides the, the passion and commitment to scripture, uh, it would be, he, I don't know. He past, pastor Scott has that, that flair that I was looking for, I guess that, that sort of that fiery passion that John Piper and Bodie Bauckham would have. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he, he had the it factor, you know, I don't want to, you know, put it, put too much on my pastor but it he had the it factor i was looking for uh i loved every sermon i took something away from each one uh and we were you know we were still relatively early in uh the gospel of john at this point which was great because this was i had started reading the gospel of john uh shortly uh before this and um so it was it was really cool to like have it all pieced together so i showed my wife she watches a couple sermons and she's like, let's go this Sunday. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I, we don't know anybody here. Uh, we're just going to show up to a church. Uh, okay. Uh, so she actually had the guts to get us to just make that, make that leap. And, um, yeah, we, we showed up and we, we kind of hud, we, we, we kind of hid downstairs, um, because we weren't sure how our daughter was going to do. We didn't want to be new people with, like, a girl, th- little girl throwing a fit. Um, and people were just so welcoming, you know. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, for the first month, we definitely, we would go, you know, we would listen to the sermon, and, and then we would kind of just dip out. But 
pretty soon people weren't letting us do that. We're getting, you know, everyone's wanting to meet us, know where we're from, how we came here, and uh, and and genuinely wanting to hear our story. I guess, um, yeah. It was, so we we came for the preaching, uh, but we just kept coming back because the people there are just. They're just lovely. They're so wonderful, uh, and I just I had never experienced such a a tight knit community of people who like who love Jesus. Like it's not just we go to church on Sunday and you know it's just a thing we do. It's a you know it's our community, and then throughout the rest of the week we live our lives like the world. Like it's it's a community of people who are genuinely trying to base their life around the gospel and scripture and getting to know Christ. And, um, even though I wasn't aware of it, that's what I, that's what I needed. That's what I was looking for. Um, so yeah, we, we haven't looked back. That was in July of last year. And, uh, I mean, we, we, we love this community so much. I'm, I'm excited and I feel privileged and blessed to have a community like this to raise my children. in. um, yeah. And then I invited you to a men's discussion group, and yes. you've been regularly coming to that. And then, so what do you get out of that? It's not like the place you would go to for like being taught and you know fed a steady stream of doctrine and stuff. It's a sure. different type of experience. So, you know, why do you continue to come to that, or what do you get out of it? Sure. Uh, well, first off, thank you for inviting me. I, I, it was something I was just going to check out but i i left the the first meeting just be just genuinely loving the guys there um i'll say uh well obviously right now we're going through deuteronomy which is it's dense it's there's a lot there um Mm -hmm. and and there's just so much you can you can there's so much you can get out of deuteronomy that i personally can't just get of my own, you know, I, if I read when read it on my own and I'm going to miss so many references, you know, and, and applications, but I'll say it's probably two big things. One, I, I love the guys that are there. Um, everyone's there for kind of the same purpose to know the word better and to be able to better apply it. And, and, you know, seeing it from the perspective of people who are more experienced uh, who've who've had a longer walk with Christ, um, getting their perspective and and you know their wisdom. You know, I guess it's like the iron sharpening iron aspect is is big yeah. for me. Um, and the fact that everyone's you know kind of coming at it from a different perspective, denomination, church, um, you know, is is really cool too. Uh, different yeah. different experience levels. Like there's just you know you can you can get so much from someone who's experienced in their walk and someone who's brand new might have a question that prompts a thought that you hadn't had before, or, you know, forces you to look at it a different way. And yes, I've, I've been very much enjoying it. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So how, what do you think about the way Christians interact with those who are outside of the faith since you're, kind of recent you can kind of know both worlds a little bit better than like me who you know i was 18 when i was converted so like what's um do you have any thoughts about what's a helpful way to interact and make the most of the time when you're just 
like I just sit in the sauna and um, that's where I met uh, Dick who comes to the group um, and um, yeah what are your thoughts about that so I think that is a great thing that you're doing like just being in a public place just you know where people of all walks of life will be and uh, where you can engage in a conversation and you know obviously some people are they're not looking to have those kinds of conversations in a short encounter but you know if you can be anywhere regularly where you might run across this person again uh, and I, I think familiarity with someone regardless of where they're at you know in their walk uh, mm-hmm. I think that's you know just establishing a relationship is huge um, mm-hmm. and with more regularity you will you will get to know them they'll get to know you you have the chance to share your faith with them or ask them about theirs or their lack of faith and um, I mean honestly just building a relationship with someone and meeting them where they're at I think is huge um, and I'm learning that myself I just you know, uh, I'm I'm just now learning to get out of my shell a little bit and share my faith with people. And it's something I feel very called to do. Just the confidence isn't there yet because the experience isn't there yet. Um, but uh, I would say that just genuinely wanting to know someone, making establishing genuine connections with people first and foremost will help. Um, mm-hmm. I'm stealing this from, from someone I heard. I can't remember who, but uh, I, I think it's very true. It's uh, it, People don't care about what you know. They just want to know that you care. And I think that that's like spot on. Yeah, I think, right. uh, yeah, as Christians, we should be... It's, it's easy to want to just stay in our nice little communities with you know like-minded believers. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a great way to... You know, like I, I plan on raising my kids around other Christians and and uh, making it a point to like that. That's our home. That's our base is, is church and our community. And um, but at the same time, not entirely, you know, sheltering them. I don't I don't I don't want them to feel like they can't talk to unbelievers. You know, yeah. uh, I think we are absolutely, you know, required to. Uh, yeah, and I think the best way to do that is is kind of like what you're doing, putting yourself in a situation where you can regularly meet with people, where you 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 could see someone, you know, on a regular, semi-regular basis, and and get to know them. Establishing relationships, I think, is is hmm. definitely a huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of you kind of become, in a way, uh, like those that you spend the most time around, uh, and and I think that. It, we as Christians have a lot to offer. We have, I mean, we have the gospel to offer. We have the best thing to offer, uh, the best news ever uh, to offer to unbelievers. Um, it's tough, though. It is, it is tough to navigate those relationships because you don't want to be all ham-fisted and just, like, come down on them, you know, with, with the, the mosaic law right off the bat. But maybe you do. It, 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 you kind of have to, once you establish somewhat of a relationship, you know, if you get, you just kind of have to feel it out. You got to, you know, see where they're at. I think that's the most important thing is, uh, see where they're at, ask them questions. Um, and then look for yeah. those opportunities to share your side. Right. Yeah. Um, and then 
Is that what it would have been best for Christians to have done for you when you were, um, you know, not a Christian yet? Yeah, I would say yes, absolutely. Um, on the flip side, I'll say that I also was at a point in my teens and early twenties where I probably wasn't going to hang out with you if you were if if I knew that you were a Christian and I it, you know I probably would have thought like, oh, that's lame. You know, you're, you're I, I can't just say whatever I want around you. I can't just, you know, I had my own preconceived notions and I, I probably wouldn't have put myself in the situations to be around mm-hmm. someone like that regularly. Yeah. Um, so that's the flip side of it is, you know, but not everyone was so not, not every unbeliever is going to be so antagonistic toward it, you know? So mm-hmm. I still think, I still think it's a good idea. Um, and with that said, I did have people in my life, uh, you know, I can look back now and see people in my life that are Christian and uh, absolutely had an impact on me, even though I didn't know it, um, or or said things that I scoffed at, rolled my eyes at, that now stick with me as truth. Um, yeah, I mean, even if you don't establish. Or, or even if you don't maintain rather a, a relationship with an unbeliever where you're able to like see, you know, you're, you're not able to see growth or change or, you know, it might, it, it might for you have just been kind of like, Oh, you know, I had a conversation, but you know, never see him again. It can turn into something like what I've experienced where a decade later, they remember this encounter with you and, you mm-hmm. know, they've co- maybe have hopefully come to Christ at this point and um, are able to look back at what may have been just a, a moment in passing between you two, but maybe you said something that just stuck in their subconscious and, you know, now is, is, is budding out, you know, uh, now that they're a believer, it's, you never know what'll happen. I'll, I'll, I would just, I would still encourage, uh, Christians to put themselves out there, share their faith, be confident mm-hmm. in it, which is something I'm learning. Uh, if, if you can, have confidence and and be sure of your faith. You know, that, that also goes a long way in in a world where people are uncertain and lack confidence. And, uh, yeah, you, you never know what'll happen. Even, even to someone like, like me, where I was not wanting to hear it, thought you were crazy, thought you were dumb, whatever. Uh, it still, it still worked on me, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, yeah, confidence, but maybe not like um, some kind of. But acknowledging, um, not having, uh, still being in a position of faith and not having certainty, and like acknowledging questions and oh, things too sure. as well, and just kind of. I think that's maybe a way of being authentic with others. Um, where you know that uh this might might be helpful to like but anyway yeah um but like as you were saying um like you don't know what kind of impact you might have like i can remember someone a, a young man who um when i was a kid he just showed kindness to spent time with me and the other kids at the church and that always um then I went through the rebellious teenage years, but because of him, I think that um, I 
there was something attractive to me about Christianity, even though anyone looking at me would just kind of think of me as more of a rebel. Um, and when I did kind of reach that low time of just conviction, um, otherwise, you know, I don't even know if I necessarily would have thought to turn to God and to seek help there, but someone in my life, there's my parents too, but this this fellow who, you know, you know, was influential in that way, you know, and he didn't even know it when I was a kid, you know. But that, anyway, yeah, that's the thing, and you and you never know who you'll who you'll reach or when it'll reach them, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, but we're called to we're called to plant seeds, you know. Sometimes we're called to water, but uh, ultimately it's it's up to God. It's on His time. Yeah. Um, and I just I just have faith that you know His will will be done. Uh, and I, I find it encouraging to know that there are. We have brothers and sisters out there that we don't know yet, and we'll get to meet hmm. them someday. And wow. uh, you know, it's you got to poke and prod a little bit, you know. But they're out there; we'll find them. You know, right. uh, it might not be when you first encounter them uh, or first talk to them, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, right. So yeah, I, I I think just putting putting yourself out there is huge. So letting letting your faith be known and uh, yeah yeah. And there's something to be said about uh, having a confidence with it, but first and foremost, it's it's not what you know. It's it's they they want to know that you care. Yeah. 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 Um. So I think that just looking at any. My notes, I kind of jotted down some thoughts, but I think, you know, we covered everything that I was going to ask, and it's been a really good conversation. I've had a great time. Is there just anything else that you'd like to bring up um, here before we wrap up? Hmm. Um, I mean, I I would ask, you know, just, just for prayers uh, for unbelievers in my life as well as just anyone's life. I think I think we definitely need to not just reach out to the unbelievers, but we, we need to be praying for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Ethan. I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.